This is the Sharpen Podcast. I'm actually the creator and producer of this show. This show would not be possible without Rocky Talkies. Rocky Talkies are backcountry radios designed by two climbers from Denver. These radios are extremely lightweight, durable, and more affordable than any other backcountry radio on the market. And now they have a brand new waterproof microphone. My guest today didn't have a pair of these radios during the incident we are going to discuss. But if she did, it would have made things much easier. And the guys over at Rocky Talkies learned she didn't own a pair, so they gifted her her own set. Reach out to them and say thank you, or better yet, support their business by buying a pair of radios to use on your backcountry adventures. If you like discounts, get 10% off your radios by going to rockytalkie.com slash sharp end. If you're a Patreon supporter, Thank you so much. I literally could not continue to produce this show without your support. November 29th, 2022. Only two days after Thanksgiving. Riverberry was about to go mountain biking in Kings Creek, Moab, Utah, when all of a sudden she sprung in action to rescue a base jumper that crashed into the sandstone rock and was dangling ever so delicately 80 to 100 feet above the ground. I'll let River tell you the rest. I hope you enjoy. Great. Well, um, again, River Barry, thank you so much for being on the Sharp End podcast with me. I just want to preface with um, saying I am in Ecuador at the moment, and I'm in a hostel, and I tried to find the quietest hostel room uh, to with the best Wi-Fi to record this with you, River, but I am hearing a dog bark constantly and then there's somebody else that's welding down the street and then I just heard a truck go by selling bread. There might be some background noise and I really apologize for that. Hopefully it's not too distracting but with that said um, that's what we get when we're recording on the road. Yeah thanks so much for having me and I think it'll add lots of beautiful character. Uh, So my name is River Berry. I am 30 years old. I have an extreme passion for climbing. <laughs> I've kind of revolved my life around it and I love living this way. But I really haven't been climbing super long. Um, like I was like looking at my mountain project the other day and I think I started logging climbs in like 2019. Uh, but I really feel like I've gotten um, the most deep diving into climbing uh, since moving to Utah um, almost three years ago. Um, just like moved into a van and started bopping around while working in wilderness therapy. So like on my off shifts, I would just go climb. Um, so yeah, I also like rotate sports. So, um, mountain biking and climbing in the warmer weather and then ice climbing and split boarding in the winter. So when it came to this incident, the interesting fact was that I was all about like ice and dry tooling. And I was like in that mindset and I was really only going down towards Moab and, um, to Indian Creek for Thanksgiving to meet like up with some friends and just kind of have like a dirt bag Thanksgiving where we all get together and have good food and Thanksgiving. Yeah. I've done that a couple years in a row myself. (laughs) It's it's a fantastic experience. It is. Uh, Lots of good vibes. Um, So I was like excited to like throw my body in some cracks, but also at the same time, I really was just wanting to ice climb. (laughs) 
Um, but my good friend, Kendra, my soul sister, she was coming down from Colorado. She doesn't really climb too much. So after Creek's giving, so we were like, let's go mountain biking. So, um, we went to King Creek and, uh, we were getting all ready to go at the trailhead. Uh, got my sun was head. shining. Yeah, sun Exactly. That's totally mm-hmm. the setting. Um, blue skies, ready to go. I was super wow, Moab. <laughs> yeah, right. We all have a special place in our heart for Moab. Um, yeah, so we had just kind of like rolled up, was getting ready, uh, knee pads on, tires pumped chains lubed we were just chatting Kendra and I in the van when her husband came over and was like someone just crashed like a base jumper just crashed um we're like what yeah we're like what are you saying we don't even know what you're saying (laughs) so like we're at the trailhead and I'm looking up like in the distance and it's quite far but like not too far where I can't like see very clearly that this person is like dangling so delicately from the rocks by their parachute vertical rock like like what somebody would call a potential climbing route yeah like there's no climbs that i know of on that wall established climbs yeah yeah exactly um it's like a 400 foot tall cliff um that he had jumped off of and he had 180 into the wall um and he had gotten caught by his parachute about a I would say 180 to 80 feet to 100 feet off the ground um is where he was and so we could see pretty clearly from the parking lot that he was just kind of like dangling there it's like one of those things where you're like I can't stop looking but I feel like I shouldn't be because it feels like he's gonna fall at any point in time really really quite so you're staring at someone hanging by what do they make parachutes out of at nylon like sill nylon or some sort of super thin delicate fabric and that's what he's hanging off of is is the actual parachute or are they line are there lines that are hooked onto some rock or no do you even know at this point no we don't fully know but like the pictures are pretty vivid that like it looks like so you've got like this like um like kind of like cliff that it's like on it's on the corner of it and it looks like the weight of his body is what's holding it there it was so delicately there it's terrifying to think about um especially in retrospect um and that's kind of what it looked like even from the parking lot that it was like just very delicate and i i remember saying out loud like please like great divine like help this human you know I felt so removed from the situation it's so interesting to think about that like simple little prayer because then I felt so it illustrates how removed I felt from it you know um and I think that that's where I really want to give a ton of credit to um my buddy Justin my now friend Justin I should say he was a complete stranger who very shortly after um the base jumper crashed he comes to the parking lot so what happened is um, the guy that had um, crashed, who I call my new friend because I protect his identity. He doesn't want any information disclosed about him. So I call him my new friend. Um, <laughs> he, he had jumped first uh, or after Justin. Justin had jumped first, excuse me. Um, and so Justin watched the crash. He watched his friend crash um, and shortly after came running to the parking lot. So like very quick to respond which is very impressive on um, Justin's part. And he's really the one that like was the fuel to the fire beneath us to get this done in such a timely manner. 
um, and very much so the catalyst to me being involved and feeling like I could help. Um, so he comes over to the parking lot and he's like, does anybody have rock climbing gear? Like anybody have rock climbing gear? And I'm standing right by my van. And so I'm like, yeah, I've got like a double rack, a couple harnesses and like rope or two. Yeah. A lot of ropes, but (laughs) what used to be a 70 meter, which now is a 69 meter. But anyways, uh, I pack it all into my Creek pack in this complete stranger. I don't even know his name at this point. Don't know. I think he's just like a climber. I don't even know who he is. I didn't know he had jumped also. He takes my Creek pack and runs away with it. I'm like, oh my God, this guy. Come back. I'm like, wait a second. He just took thousands of dollars of my gear. It's so crazy. Um, And he's like, yeah, grab whatever else we need. If you have like climbing skill, like let's go get it done. Like whatever that's going to be. So I'm like, oh gosh, this like awesome trad climber is going to go up and help this dude, you know, and I'm going to go belay him. I'm ready to help out. But I'm like, oh crap, I should really change out of my mountain biking clothes. My, I got like knee pads on and stuff. And so I changed really quick, grabbed some water, food, puffy, simple first aid. And I like booked it in direct line to, um, the incident, which was quite a task, honestly, because I had no clue like where the trails were or anything to get there. I just was like cross countrying, like doing some weird, like sandstone bouldery moves to get there. I just remember my like lungs burning so deeply because I was trying so hard to just get there as quickly as possible. It's pretty, uh, quite, quite the feeling. Um, and I remember getting there and just looking up at, at this guy and I was just like okay your new friend yeah my new friend exactly uh and I start instantly gearing up you know getting everything out of my pack and such and I'm putting on my like harness and I'm talking to Justin still don't know his name but I'm like hey like I just want you to know this is what my climbing resume looks like and I just want you to know I'm a very safe Blair I'm ready to help out in any way I can um and he starts telling me about his resume and he's like yeah I'm actually mostly a sport climber and which actually we've like done some sport climbing he's an exceptional sport climber um and he was telling me his plan to aid this crack that was like pretty far away from um my new friend that was hanging in the air and at that point I was like oh I'm the only one here that can crack climb and there's this perfect crack even though it was disgusting and dirty right below um my new friend and so I was like ah Justin that's not like I didn't even know his name but like uh that's not a really good plan I really don't think that's a good idea and I think that like I'm a crack climber and that I should do this and so Mm -hmm. like Gearing up looks very different at this point. I'm like, okay, we're racking up. I delegate a task to a friend, um, or now a friend because she was at the scene. Um, I was like, hey, can you flake out the rope? And I just start racking everything I had, um, which was a pretty good rack for this climb. Um, Doubles in 0.3 to 3. Uh, singles in point one, point two, a number four, and a number five. And just explain what that what that is. Protection to enter into the gear so that I could ascend upward. Um, and I also had some like nuts and alpines and stuff. Um, yeah. So once we were like all, ra- I was all racked up. We, you know, I like start walking towards the climb, and I'm like, oh, I really should tie up like kind of to the side. Um, cause I realized very vividly that there was a 
dangling bloody body above me and that became very real but it's interesting because like that became a fact but I wasn't really like internalizing it as like I was like oh yep just got to make sure that I'm like protecting myself by staying to the side but it wasn't like sitting in how like intense that was you know um you mean you you mean you mean sitting to the side so you're not getting blood dripped on you is that what you're is that what you mean okay also like just like risk to like the fact that he could fall on me at any point in time Mm -hmm. um so like just trying to protect myself and just like trying to be aware you know um so I like tie up and then at this point I'm like wait what's your name (laughs) to the guy that um came up to me in the parking lot uh, and he's like my name's Justin and I was like cool what's the guy's name up there and he like told me his name I was like cool and I just like stopped for a second and I'm like dear great divine like please help the three of us and I said all of our names and I was like just watch over us as I like go up this thing <laughs> Justin talks about it later on like we talked about this and he's like that's crazy you took a second to do that but I'm glad you did <laughs> you know it's just like things go so quickly in these moments you know but anywho that kind of stands out to me when I think about the situation yeah just taking a pause I mean I, I used to read old mountaineering stories of where there'd be an accident and a lot of the old-time mountaineers would say stop pause and smoke a cigarette but it's just you know a way of saying just take a moment slow down breathe and then move forward totally I think it's really interesting and information about the human capacity that I did not feel rushed and I did not feel like stressed per se I mean obviously there's this like like stress about the intensity of the situation but like I wasn't like thinking at all I was just doing and I find that incredibly fascinating so yeah after that like quick pause I like looked at this blood splattered crack and I just started going um and shortly after it became very very clear that no one in this whole entire earth has ever touched this crack before (laughs) it was so covered in sand very slippery um holds were popping off um And it was kind of tricky, the protection that I was placing, because um, it was hard to tell, like, what was, like, going to be solid rock, which, or what was going to, like, fall off. And I really had to take my time um, to make sure that I was um, as safe as possible and not also as efficient as possible. So I I did quite a mixture of aid climbing and a little bit of free climbing um, in order to get up as quickly as possible. Um, and so I just end up in this flow state of just like, okay, just making moves, doing what I need to do. Um, and then we weren't really super sure if he was conscious, if he was, I remember not really fully even knowing if he was alive. Like we didn't really fully know what was happening for his condition. So it really stands out to me that about like halfway through the route, I hear him breathing. Um, and that was like a really big moment you know it's like confirmation that he's alive proof of life which you didn't know before so you could have been that whole time you could have been climbing up to a a body you know that you you maybe have to think about resuscitation at that point but yeah that that must have been an incredible feeling for you to all of a sudden hear him breathe yeah absolutely I do remember it being a pretty big deal um and pretty exciting, you know? And I, so I like yelled down, you know, I was excited to tell everybody like, okay, he's breathing. Everything's good. It kind of sounded like snoring later on. Um, I find out that 
that's not always the best sign for like how the airway is, but like in general, it was good to know that he was alive and that, you know, um, although he was like kind of in and out of consciousness at times, I think, um, it was great to know that he was, uh, alive and breathing. And then, um, once I know he's breathing and like possibly conscious, I start kind of yelling things as they go <laughs> to him. Like, I remember just being like, you're a badass. You got this, you know, <laughs> um, affirmation. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, once I got to like, just before eye level it was kind of tricky the the helicopter or I think SAR had come in uh, search and rescue had come in around that time like when I was around halfway to three quarters of the way up um and like well who, who called search and rescue uh, I so when I was in the parking lot I had I had an inreach so one of the before Justin even came up to me I had asked somebody like did somebody inreach did someone SOS because I have one you know and so around that time it had already been SOS. I don't really know. And I think somebody had a walkie. I remember people talking about walkies. Um, so I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. Um, but I know pretty early on, somebody had at least SOS. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the helicopter comes in and at this point in time, it's kind of tricky and frustrating because I can't hear like my Blair and I or communicate to my Blair. So, um, I can't like make awkward upper progression cause I'm, I, I'm tight to my last piece I had taken on my last piece, you know? So that's kind of frustrating. There's just sand blasting me. Like you see the pictures of like my pants and, and, uh, I'm covered in sand. And, um, and that's, that's because like the helicopter rotor wash, you think? I think it's a mixture, but I I do think that that's from like the windstorm of the helicopter. And when I think about this point in the rescue, it's kind of really scary because this guy is delicately dangling in the air and this helicopter is like windstorming us. (laughs) It was really quite scary. uh, Now I think about it. Um, So I was really relieved when they went away or whatever had happened. And, um, but it was nice to know that Lisa helicopter was like close by for when we got him down, you know? And, um, cause I'm not super attentive to what's happening on the ground. I'm just doing what I need to do, you know? And then, uh, shortly after I was able to get eye level with him, um, at this point, stress really starts to hit because he's now con he's like conscious and he's communicating with me very brief like not a lot but he's like in a lot of pain his femur's pretty badly broken and he's got all of his weight on it which is like such an amazing thing because it was like creating this awesome natural tourniquet for his compound fracture but um and I'm like oh my gosh this is like this is kind of an intense situation and I start getting like kind of flooded with stress, but I'm trying to remember to like take my time, you know? Um, I did a lot of like repeating the mantra out loud to tune him out. I was like, take your time, play safe gear, take your time, play safe gear. Um, but when I was eye level with him, that's around when I was able to like get him clipped into some gear. I had equalized a couple pieces and clipped him in. So everybody was pretty relieved that at this point in time, like we were like, okay, at least he's not going to like fall from 
80, 100 feet up, you know? So just, just to paint a picture for the people that don't climb it, listen to the show, by pa- placing pieces, you place some protection in the crack, and then you built an anchor and then clipped his whole body into that anchor that you built. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, above it, so, like, if if he did come loose, he would swing onto it, which made me a little nervous, but it was better than him, you know, falling from so high up, right? At that point, for me, I wasn't, like, feeling relieved, per se. I was happy, obviously, to have him safer, Um, but I was like, wow, we're not done here. (laughs) Like, I was like, we've got, I've got to get more, like, above him in order to have his weight transfer onto an anchor, like, appropriately. Um, So I end up climbing even further, and I was able to build a pretty bomber anchor with like a number three cam, a number one, and both of those were super solid. And then a point four that was like, meh, not my favorite, but it was going to get the job done. And I felt safe. Um, I, I trusted it with our lives. I had to, right. I wasn't going to do anything that wasn't going to be something that was going to be safe for both of us, but still, you know, it's a lot to have my weight on it and then have another body swing onto it. So regardless, obviously you're nervous. Um, so I'm like, now I'm into the anchor and, um, I'm face, I'm like, he's a little bit lower than me at this point. And I'm really grateful that in the past I had done like a lot of like reading in the, um, this like self-rescue book and, I think even Freedom of the Hills at times has helped me. But regardless, like, I don't have any rescue training that's formal. At this point, I'm just kind of, like, do like piecing together problem-solving skills. And I just think that when you have a lot of skills in your toolbox from, like, reading and practicing different skills and such, um, that that's really helpful, even if you don't have, like, concrete training. So, like, I was just, like, I remember from that book that um, – for self-rescue stuff you in lowering you want the the victim like kind of below between your legs so I start prepping to like um have him connected to like my belay loop um and so I took two lockers one to my belay loop a double length sling that connected him and I and then on his harness um he's got like this body harness for base jumper harnesses and there's like a weight bearing loop on his right chest that I was able to clip and that was um guidance from Justin my Blair who's a base jumper he was able to like guide me on what to clip um so I I secured him to me and then it became like the moment of truth um the my new friend that's that I'm now suspended in the air with and I um we're chatting a little. I was like, hey, like, I hear that, like, Justin told me you have a knife. Can I get that from you? Thankfully, it was conscious enough to give that to me because it came to the time where I need to start cutting lines. And he's kind of, like, in this spaghetti mess of lines. And I'm like, what if I cut these, like, three dang, like, delicate strands, right, that he's got all of his weight on what if I cut those and he's caught in something else and now he's below me? So I was really stressed that like something that like another line would like kind of mess up things. So I just start cutting everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like can't really tell what's happening in the spaghetti mess. So I'm just like cut everything, like untangle him, make sure everything's like like not wrapped around his neck because there was some around his neck and stuff and just like pieces are falling down and 
yeah, I was just like, ah, well, I hope I got everything, you know, just trying my best to be efficient. And then it came to those last three strands, these tiny little strands that like are no thicker than like shoelaces are what's holding his whole life in the air. It's crazy. And um, I just remember taking like a deep breath and just cutting those last three lines and just being like, I don't. At like right before cutting them, I'm like, I don't really want to do this, but obviously I'm, I have to, you know, it's just like kind of a big, intense thing to do, you know, ready for his way to swing on. And I was really grateful that, um, where the anchor was, was kind of this little roof. Um, so he didn't just like smack into the wall. He was able to kind of like swing on to me without like smacking the wall too much, I think. Um, during these intense moments, you don't remember everything like perfectly, but from what I can recall, I think that it went pretty well and I was really grateful for that. And then at this point, my belayer, Justin was able to start lowering us. Um, and he's clipped. Um, my new friend is clipped by like the right side of his harness. So I'm trying really hard to keep him upright during the lower. Um, and I'm trying my best to like control the lower by like um, putting my feet on the wall and making sure that his body doesn't hit the wall. Like his leg had touched the wall at one point. It was pretty painful for him and I felt awful, but yeah, trying my best, <sighs> you know. Um, and, and how much more does he weigh than you, do you think? That's a great question, but um, I would say probably something similar. You know, I'm a pretty tall gal. I'm like five foot ten. Um, so that's, that's nice, but so something similar, like I, it definitely wasn't easy. <laughs> how are you, how are you able to hold him upright? Cause I feel like I'm imagining him clipped to your lay loop, right? And then, yeah, so it's a double link sling. So that's about for people that don't know, I would say like more than an arm's length long. Uh, or about an arm's length long, I would say a double length sling is. So you've got the belay loop that's in between my legs. And then a, like an arm's length down is where his chest harness is clipped. So I was able to reach behind me and like lean back in order to grab the other side of his harness and try my best to like pull upwards. Oh, yeah, I see him. Like if I had more time, I think there's like some really great ways that you can clip the other side of his harness and like equalize the weight so that he would not be tipping sideways. But that was the least of our worries. Regardless, we were just like, let's get down as soon as possible. Yeah. Yep. Get him out of here. Um, but for for this situation, I think like me grabbing um the other like his the other part of his harness on the other side. So he's clipped on the right side. I think I, I was trying at least to grab the left side of his harness like shoulder part of his harness and I was trying to like use my weight to pull forward to like equalize his weight from being super sideways I don't know how crazy effective it is but I tried my best you know and then uh when we got to the ground um the medical team was able to like kind of take over um and respond pretty quickly to like prepping him for the helicopter to come in um, it was around then, well, like I touched the ground and Justin just like wraps his arms around me and he says like, thank you for saving my friend. And I was like, what? 
you know, like you don't, you're just like in the moment and you're just doing what you need to get done. And it, it's not like hitting me that like this person is like at risk of dying. Um, and when he says, thank you for saving my friend, I was just like, wow, that's a really powerful statement, you know? And, um, it's not like fully sinking in until like more search and rescue people are coming up to me and thanking me and, um, the base jumping, um, community, like other base jumpers that were friends with my, my new friend that, um, I got down, they were all coming up to me and like hugging me and thanking me. And I was just like, that's when it starts hitting like the intensity of this situation and that like, oh, like someone's life was at risk, you know? Um, which I think is also really interesting information about the human capacity to just perform and get it done, you know? And I kind of just like hung around and helped in any way it could. But at this time, at this point in time, the, the medical team is like really just like jumping on it. And, um, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting to be able to go back up and get my gear too. Right. Cause all my gear is up on this climb still. Um, and Shortly after the helicopter came in and was able to evac him um, and bring him to the hospital, which is fantastic. You know, there's a lot of things that are like astonishing that happened that day, like that really worked out. You know, this is a really bad situation that worked out really well. And one of those things is like, I think it's really interesting that not far from the climb was a place for this helicopter to land. Like we're on like the side of a, like we're like on this like, elevated hill cliff area you know what I mean like it's not flat ground so I thought it was pretty crazy that the helicopter was able to land right there Uh, and they were able to get him out and shortly after um, the helicopter left Justin hung around and it was just like kind of him and I there and I was able to go back up and get a lot of my gear Um, and yeah that's kind of the story (laughs) It's so important that we can give the less the, the listeners these lessons to take away. And I know that you have some really, really good ones. So yeah, let's hear what those are. Yeah, yeah. The first one um, is the fact that I'm just a regular Joe, you know, like I'm not crazy Sandy. Um, I've got a pretty good climbing resume for how short of a time that I've been climbing and I've got a vi- wide, diverse set of skills, you know, I just learned how to aid climb. I've done a lot of big routes, a lot of like alpine environments, all of these type of environments and all the skills involved were very helpful for me to respond. But, you know, I think that it's important to, to communicate that like, I'm not like an exceptional climber. I'm not like anybody, but just like somebody that's pretty passionate about climbing that was able to look at a crack and be like, I can get up there, I think. And if I can't, I'm at least going to try my best. And I think that there's a lot of power to that fact, because I think that anybody could help out if they have the skills to do so. And I think it could be easy when a, a big thing like this happens to be like, how I was when I was in the parking lot. I was like, oh, I don't know how I can help, you know? Like, I'm looking at it feeling really removed. Um, But, like, I don't think that there's harm in, like, going and seeing if you can help a situation. And not don't worry about, like, being in the way. Like, if you're not needed, they'll just tell you, like, we don't need your help. And yep. you can... But, like, yeah. if 
if you have a skill set that could be helpful, you should go and try and see if that you can help. Don't assume that you're not anybody and that you're not going to be able to help. Like assume that like you could help and be okay with it if you can't, you know. Number two is that like we engage in all these outdoor sports and adventure outdoor sports. Um, like I think all of them have some sort of um, sense that we're in control, right? Like with climbing, we like learn all of our rope management. We learn all our logistic skills. We learn our communication. We do all these things to make us feel like we're in control. And like for base jumping, you could have your your parachute packed really well. You, you could have perfect conditions. You could have the perfect exit, which means like the jump that you do could be really well executed. But like st- stuff can still happen. Shit can still hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you could still crash. Um, as my new friend did and in climbing a rock could still come loose from the route and hit you or your Blair you have to be prepared for the worst to happen in these situations there's a lot that's outside of our control and um, I think that in in these outdoor adventure sports it can be we can get complacent because we do it so frequently we're part of this like culture that normalizes it almost to be like any other recreational activity but in reality there's a lot that's outside our control and it's important to you know do your reading practice your skills take a workshop um talk through with your partners or or whoever you're doing your outdoor adventure sports ahead of time like make a plan for the worst case scenario mm-hmm. um and just be prepared yep. and just be aware that like you're not invincible and that's okay it's all the risks are part of the sport um just be prepared. Yep. Kind of like leads me into my last um, takeaway is that like these risks are part of it, um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. Uh, these sports are really important. At least I'm speaking from my own experience. Like my sports are what make me feel full and fulfilled and alive. There's no point in walking this earth feeling dead. We have to do the things that make us feel full and alive. You got to live your truth. You got to do what your heart desires. And you have to pursue pursue the things that make you feel so full. And that those risks are part of it. And I think that in some ways they're an essential part of it. And they make what the outdoor sports that we do, they make it what they are and they make the experience what they are. But I think that even though we need to pursue our callings, you know, and do what we love, we need to be prepared. To all of my listeners out there in podcast land, I invite you to ask yourself, are you prepared when you recreate? Thank you, River, for sharing. Thank you to Rocky Talkies for supporting my show and for gifting River a pair of radios for her outdoor pursuits. Show your support by donating on PayPal or becoming a Patreon member. I literally could not produce this show without my listener support. And thank you to the American Alpine Club. Did you know that they have their own podcast? They talk about all kinds of stories from the climate community breaking down the latest climate management plan that impacts our climbing landscapes, sharing stories of climbers epicking in the mountains, trends in climbing accidents, and more. 
The AAC podcast preserves the legacy of legends like Yvonne Chouinard and Irene Beardsley, and highlights the work of climbers who are charting the future, like the Full Circle Everest team. Each episode delves into one of the four values of the AAC. Climb, protect, educate, and connect. You can find the American Alpine Club podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcast. Check it out. And as always, remember, play hard and be smart.